0: grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the gospel according to Saint Luke, reading there in the ninth chapter, beginning at the 57th verse. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have wolves, and birds of the air have nests, But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and teach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go, bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of god now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight O lord our strength and our redeemer amen good morning dear friends in christ jesus it is a beautiful morning isn't it and i hope that all of us are glad that we are worshiping at this time It is good to be back again with you this morning after missing one Sunday being as you know at our American Lutheran Church convention down in San Antonio, Texas. Today is the 23rd Sunday after Trinity. There are only three more Sundays remaining in this church year and today is also Consecration Sunday as we well know here at Emmanuel. This text that I just read It was an incident that happened at the beginning of the last four months of Jesus' ministry. Seemingly, he had just left Galilee, had crossed the River Jordan, and he was over in Perea, and here he met three would-be followers of his rather an interesting thing took place as Jesus was walking along with the twelve there came a man to him and he said Lord he said I'll follow you wherever you go I don't care what the cost is I don't care what the price of discipleship is I don't care what it is that you ask as a condition I am willing to pay the price and Jesus then said to that man I'll pay whatever price he said to him in talking about the price, said, the foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But remember, the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. Well, he walked on. And here Jesus met another man. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. This man had a conflict in life. He said, I'll follow you, Lord. But first he said, i got to go home and bury my father. My father just died. And then I will follow you. And Jesus said to him, You let the dead bury the dead, and you go preach the kingdom of God. Jesus was talking to him about the price, the cost of discipleship. And then we are told there was another one that Jesus met. And this one said, Lord, I will follow you. But he said, I've got a conflict. First of all, I've got to go home and tell the folks at home goodbye. And Jesus looked at him as regards the cost of discipleship. And he said to him, he said, any man that puts his hand to the plow and keeps on looking back, isn't fit for the kingdom of God you and I may say this morning I wonder what Jesus was saying to these three would-be followers about the cost the price of being one of his disciples of being one of his followers of being one of his adherents this is what he was saying to them in simple language he was saying to them as regards the cost of being one of my followers it's this I demand no less than the unconditional surrender of your will to my will I demand, if you want to be one of my disciples, that you've got to repudiate your will and you've got to repudiate it for my will. You've got to renounce your will absolutely without hesitation and without compromise, and you've got to accept my will. This is the price of discipleship. My will, first, last, and always. Never your will, never what you want to do when your will conflicts and clashes with my will. This is what he was saying. And today as he speaks to you and me, especially on this consecration Sunday, when you and I say, Lord, what's the cost of being one of your followers? What's the price we've got to pay? What is the condition that you demand? Jesus said, this is it. I demand the unconditional surrender of your will to my will. I demand that my will be first, last, and always in your life. I demand that in your life that you never desire to do except that which I want you to do, never what you want to do, if it conflicts with my will. My will first, last, and always, never your will, when it clashes with my will. And you and I may say, wait a minute, Lord, let me say that price is too high. I think you're asking just a little bit too much. You are saying that I've got to take my will and I've got to surrender my will to yours, that I must say that in my life I will determine to do first, last, and always what you want me to do, never what I want to do, when my will conflicts with yours, and you are saying this is the price, unconditional surrender. I must repudiate my will, and we may say, Lord, you're asking too much money. That's absolutely too much for discipleship. It isn't necessary, we may say to him. Why is this kind of a surrender necessary? Why do I have to take my will and why do I have to renounce it for your will? That even when my will clashes that I can't do sometimes some of the things that I want to do even though I know. They may conflict with your will We say, you're asking too much, Lord, the price is too high. Then we may also say, the price looks a little bit too high for what you get. After all, is this a bargain? Jesus says to you and me this morning, this is the price. This is what I demand of you if you want to be one of my followers, one of my adherents, if you want to be one of my disciples, it's this. I demand no less than an absolute surrender of your will to my will, first last and always never your will when it conflicts and clashes with my will this is the price and jesus would say this is it whether you like it or not and you may think it's too high because jesus would remind you this is absolutely necessary it can't be any less than that and also jesus would say discipleship is a bargain what you get in return is worth the price this is a bargain if there ever was one And let's look at it this morning. You and I may say Christ says that it's absolutely necessary that if we want to be one of his disciples that we must take our will and we must renounce it and accept his will. We must repudiate our will and say it is going to be subjected and surrendered to your will. Your will first, last, and always never my will, never doing what I want to do when it clashes with your will. And we may say, well, Lord, why couldn't the price be a little better? Jesus, in the first place, would remind you and me that only then, when you and I have surrendered absolutely unconditionally to his will, only then will our repentance and faith in him be genuine and sincere. Otherwise, it'll be nothing but a sham. We may say this morning, Lord, why do you ask so much? Think you're asking, the price is too high. You mean I've got to take my will and surrender it to you first, last, and always, Then I am never in my life to do what I want to do, even though it does clash at times with what you want me to do? And Jesus says, yes, and you might say, well, uh, that price is too high. Let's cut it down. Why don't you let me at times do what I want to do, even though my will clashes with your will? And then Jesus says, what about repentance? Supposing he'd say, I'll bring the price down. And I'll let you do my will part of the time, but at times I'll let you do what you want to do, even though it clashes with mine. What about repentance? You know what repentance would be in your life and mine? We'd go to him and we'd say, Lord, I'm sorry that I have sinned, that I have done things that are wrong. But we would say, I'm only sorry for those things that I don't care much about anyhow. But we would say, I'm not very sorry, Lord, for the things that I do that I know are wrong, that I love to do. These are the things we wouldn't be sorry enough for to quit. What kind of repentance would it be if there was no repentance in your life and mine that meant that you and I would say, I'm sorry enough to quit. I am going to stop doing this thing which I know clashes against his will. It would make of your repentance and mine nothing but a sham and hypocrisy. We would be saying to him, well, I'm sorry for anything that I've done wrong that I really don't care whether I let it out of my life. But, oh, those things that I love to do that are wrong, those things that I know that are wrong that I do, I am not sorry for because why don't you let me go ahead and exercise my will even though it refutes yours? What kind of a repentance would that be? We'd say, what kind of a faith would that be in Christ? That would mean that you and I would turn to him and we'd say, Lord, I want you to pardon the guilt of my sins and I want you to pardon the eternal punishment of my sins. I want you to see to it that I'm not punished but I don't want you to give me the strength to say no to sin. (coughs) I don't want you to deliver me from the power of sin. I want you to let me go on sinning the way I please. I want you to let me go on in immorality or incest or in drunkenness or whatever it may be and in dope. I want you to let me go on, but be sure that you save me. It would be a sham and a disgrace. Jesus says, my price is absolute surrender, unconditional to my will, my will first, last, and always, because this is an absolute necessity. And Jesus says, discipleship is worth it, because only then, when you and I have really repented, we have stood before him and we have said, I'm sorry enough to quit anything that is wrong in my life, Then and only then is there a faith in him that is a living faith and does he allow you and me to come into the kingdom of God where we are saved from eternal death in hell and we are given eternal life and everlasting salvation. And Jesus says in my book, that's a bargain. In exchange for your surrender of your will to me and all things first, last, and always, in exchange for becoming my disciple and fulfilling that requirement, that price, I give you freedom from hell i give you an eternal life with me what i have not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which god has prepared for them that love him and so on this sunday we ought to say to ourselves and i'm going to believe that the very price of discipleship is no less than the absolute surrender of my will to the will of christ and that never will I therefore do what I know is wrong and that conflicts with his will, then we ought to stop and probe just a little bit this morning to say, have you and I paid the price? Have you and I surrendered our will? How many of us say this? I know what I'm doing is wrong, but, but. I know what I'm doing is wrong, but. What do we mean by that? We mean this, I know what I'm doing is wrong. I know it's an offense against him, but I like to sin. And if that's the case in your life and mine, I like to do that which is wrong. If that's the case in your life and mine, then again, we must say to ourselves as we probe, we're not paying the price. Because in that very moment when you and I say, I like to do what is wrong, then your repentance and mine is a shame. It's a disgrace, it's an hypocrisy. And only as we repent, and that ought to mean in your life and mine this morning, Jesus said, "This is the cost. The price of discipleship is this: that I want an absolute surrender of your will to mine, that never will you do your will when it opposes mine, and then this ought to be the time for repentance, and say, "Lord, my repentance is going to be sincere. I'm going to lay at your feet. Everything that I am doing that is wrong, my repentance is going to be sincere. That I'm sorry enough to quit and to ask Him for forgiveness, than to escape the tragedy of an eternal death in hell where the regret will be, Oh, to God, that I had never been born. Remember, He said to Judas one day, It would be better for that man had he never been born. Today, we say to ourselves, What's the price of discipleship? What is the price? of being a Christian. What is the price of being a follower of Jesus Christ? And Christ says to you and me this morning, it is nothing less than the absolute surrender of our will to his will, nothing less than taking your will and mine and renouncing it and accepting his, to do in life only that which he wants us to do, never to do in life what he doesn't want us to do, And all because he assures this is a necessity, it couldn't be any less. The price may seem high, but it's something that can't be cut down in price. And besides, discipleship is worth it, because in the second place he reminds us that only then will we be able to remain in the kingdom of grace. Once in grace, it doesn't follow always in grace, does it? You and I can be saved and we can lose it, because... If they would cut it down and say, now I'll let you, as you surrender to me, I'll let you do things in your life that you know are wrong. Even when your will clashes with mine, these clashes are bound to come. Here was the one man that came to him and he said, Lord, I'll follow you regardless of the price. And Jesus said to him, you're rather anxious and you're rather eager, but know this, it may mean this, foxes have holes, they've got places to stay. And the birds of the air have nests. But he said, remember, I, the son of man, I have no place to lay my head. I am homeless. He was telling this man, it may cost you homelessness. You may have to give up everything you've got. How many Christians that you and I know in the world in which we're living have given up under communism everything that they have had because they have known that Christ demands an unconditional surrender to his will, even though it may mean homelessness, this is the cost. And the other one said, Lord, I've got this conflict. He said, I've got to go bury my father. And Jesus said, oh, no. And you and I may say, uh, what's wrong with going and burying your father? You I may mean, say, uh, does Jesus lack the sympathy that he doesn't want a son to attend his father's funeral? But here was the clash. He knew this man, if you look into his heart. He knew that if this man went to his father's funeral, he would never come back. He knew that in this clash of will, that there was only one will to be done. For him, it was to do Christ's will. And Christ says, no, you left the spiritually dead, bury the dead, and you go and you preach the kingdom of God. This was the clash your job is to preach again in the clashes what about it whenever you and i clash whenever your will and mine goes against the will of jesus christ that means that we are cast out of grace whenever in your life and mine we do something that we know is wrong and that we know is against his will then we dethrone him when the clash comes and you and i fail to do his will even though it may be a secular thing, not wrong in itself. And here was the third one. I've got to go home and tell the folks goodbye. And Jesus said to you, no. Know, there's something more important right now in this clash. This is what I want you to know. He says, any man that puts his hand to the plow, a man that's never plowed before, and starts to plow and keeps on looking back, what kind of a furrow is he going to cut? And Jesus says, that man isn't fit for the kingdom of God. A divided heart. We may say to ourselves, the price looks too high, Jesus, that I've got to surrender my will to your will, and that my will shall be this, to do your will first, last, and always, never my will, even though my will conflicts. And Jesus says, I can't let you have your will when it conflicts, because that means we lose him. We are cast from grace, even though the thing itself may be all right. Whenever in your life and mind, you and I do that which we know is not his will, then we know this that we lose him and Jesus says bear in mind that discipleship is a bargain it's worth surrendering your will to me because only then can there come this peace in your heart and mind the peace that comes with a simplicity of heart why is it that so often we are so terribly upset in life why is it that so often we feel like we're going to blow up and why is it that there is this restlessness isn't it so often this because we are doing something which we know is wrong we are doing our will even though we know it clashes, even though we know it is contrary to his will, and when inside we're trying to do his will part of the time, and doing our will when it clashes the other part, is it any wonder that the human body and the human heart can't stand it? Something's going to give, something's going to blow up. The joy and the peace of serenity, and it comes only in the Christian life when we have surrendered and we say, this is his will, I shall do it. But then there is serenity. When we come against his will and we say, but in this clash, I'm going to do my will, then it's lost. We ought to say to ourselves then as followers of his, give me the courage, Lord Jesus, to do your will. First, last, and always, in spite of the clashes that come, that make me feel that I want to do your will, but now is not the time. Rather strange, that second one, he said, Lord, I want to follow you, but this isn't the time. The time isn't right. I've got to go home and bury my father. And the third one also said, Lord, I want to follow you, but this isn't the time. I've got to go home and tell the folks goodbye. Is this the time for a forward-in-faith drive at Emmanuel Lutheran Church? Is it the time? Is God willing that you and I at this time have a forward-in-faith campaign to raise the sum of $198,000 for this congregation. Is this the time? Oh, it's easy to say, isn't it? It's all right, this thing, but now is not the time, the conflict, you see. Is God speaking to us or is he not speaking to us? It's just 33 years ago this very day, November the 1st, that the Hounsons moved to Mary. And if you'll pardon me, I like to look back again in this ministry of 33 years and remember when it first started. There was a debt on the church and there was a debt on the parsonage. And whenever there was an attempt to do something, as God was blessing this church with growth, it was always this now's not the time. We're in debt. We can't do it. We can't do it. Well, then the time came when are we going to pay the debt? And then again we sometimes said to ourselves, and now is not the time to pay the debt because. Uh, we were having hard times back in Depression days. But again, we prayed and we said, this is the will of God to go ahead, even though it may not seem to us to be the right time, and the death was paid. You know, with regard to Jesus, even his enemies said, we're going to kill him, but this isn't the right time. This is the time of the festival day. This is the time of the Passover. This isn't the time to put him to death, but Jesus saw that he was put to death at the time of the Passover. It was the right time. Then came again the plan for an educational building. We said to ourselves, is it the will of God as God blessed this church with growth? And we again had help come in and we were told that now is not the time. Right after World War II you can't buy steel and you can't get gas to heat the building and you can't get equipment. But again we felt and we prayed it was the will of God. We were told that we could only raise $131,000, just a few over a 1,000 of us at that time, and we raised $191,000. We went ahead. This is God's will, even though it seemed this isn't the time. And within three years, the building was erected and paid for $250,000. When's the right time as we go forward in faith? When God brings up is this the time, we may say to ourselves. Then came the time when the organ broke down and we needed a new organ and we needed air conditioning. That was sixty thousand. We wanted, Is this the time? And again we said, This is God's will, we went out and we raised that as a congregation. We needed parking facilities and there were an opportunity And there were opportunities to buy some houses over here. It meant an expenditure of $100,000 approximately for parking. We wanted, is this the time? And we prayed and we went ahead forward in faith and we raised the money and we paid it. Then came the church calling to us in the life program, Lutheran gathering for education. The church said our schools, our colleges and our seminaries are needing money. And again, is this the right time? You see, we come into conflict. Uh, Is this the right time, Lord? Is this your will? And we can raise a number of conflicts, but we went out and we said, Lord, here's the opportunity. And we raised over $86,000 in pledges, not for ourselves, but remembering others, besides our regular benevolence work. And then suddenly you read in your paper one time, one morning, that the great Scott people were going out of business. We had heard rumors of it, but no one was certain. It had been our privilege every Sunday to park across the street free of charge and to use it. But with them going out of business, who would come in? There was a hasty meeting of the vestry, and we prayed over this matter. What's God's will in this thing? Supposing somebody comes in and they use it, it would mean the loss of 75 stalls for the 8 o'clock service for parking. It would mean 75 places to park for Sunday school. It would mean 75 places to park for the second service. A lot of parking area as regards Emmanuel Congregation. And after we prayed, we decided it was God's, well, here was an opportunity, but is this the right time? We were out of debt. We needed money. We got a, again, we got an option. We called Florida and got the, Owners, And again, we weren't any too hurried. And again, we weren't, as far as that's concerned, we weren't any too previous because we were told that a utility company was after it. And had they gotten it, it would have been parked with their trucks every Sunday. 75 parking stalls lost for 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 10.30. Your best we said, this is God's will. We needed money to go borrow money. There is no mortgage on this church and property. It's a note. One man in the church, Signed a note for $150,000. Rather risky, isn't it? But you know, Jesus said, you're taking a risk when you follow me. You know, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. I'd like to ask you this morning, would you personally sign a note for $150,000? Rather risky, isn't it? But again, a note was signed and the money was borrowed. We said to ourselves, what is God's will? I'm convinced with all my soul that God, again, see the opportunities come when you and I say, this isn't the right time, God, but God says, yes it is. And I'm convinced this is the right time, but who about you? Jesus says, this is the cost. You put my will first, last, and all Then the joy of seeing his hand. I can look back for 33 years this morning. And I can see God's hand in again the development of this congregation. Jesus says, You want to know the cost of discipleship, what it costs, what the price is, what I demand? Jesus said, This is it, nothing less than I want the absolute surrender of your will to mine, I want you to absolutely take your will and repudiate it and take mine, to do my will first, last, and always, never your will when it conflicts with mine. And Jesus says, That's a necessity. I couldn't make it any less. That's the price. It isn't too high. Where do you get the idea that I'm asking too much? And Jesus would say discipleship is the greatest eternal bargain that heaven could give. Talk about a bargain. In exchange for, again, the repudiation of our will, that the bargain, again, of eternal life. Because Jesus also reminds us that only when we have really surrendered to him, when we have said, first, last, and always, my will shall be to do your will, never my will in conflict with yours, then and only then, Will you and I witness for him and for his kingdom by word and by our life and by our deeds and by our gifts? Why, we say, Lord, why don't you make it a little less? Why can't I do my will even though I know my will clashes with yours occasionally? You see, your will and mine is a selfish will. We don't like to witness for him, do we? We're embarrassed to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. You and I are rather embarrassed at times to live a Christian life, especially if we live in amongst those that don't. We're rather embarrassed to show mercy and kindness to all of our fellow men, especially if some of our fellow men are prejudiced against them and we feel it. We're rather embarrassed and slow, aren't we, sometimes with our gifts. We don't like to do some of these things. But Jesus says, I can't make it any less than an all-out surrender. Then only will you and I say, well, it's my will because this is what you want me to do. It's my will to witness. It's my will to live and it's my will to show mercy and not only in my deeds but in my gifts for the kingdom of God and then oh it's a bargain because then there comes the evidence in your life and mine that we are children of God we've got a living faith and the evidence that you and I and members of a congregation that we are influencing others for Jesus Christ today we are going forward in faith because We're willing to pay the price. Jesus says, this is the price. Absolute surrender to my will. And I am as certain as I'm standing here that when you and I as followers say, Lord, in this forward in faith, why we're going forward to witness. We're going to do it with confidence. We're going to do it with joy. Then we can expect his blessing to be sure. You say, is this the right time? $198,000 Hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars a lot of money. Is it the right time? Are we just doing it so that the community can say, Look what they're doing over at Emmanuel Church? Who do they think they are? God forbid that there be any bigoted or puffed up spirit. But God is blessing this church. Down in San Antonio, I heard a man in floor committee say the budget of the the Church is $23 million. He said it's going to be one of these days cut back to about $15 million. and I thought, oh, God forbid. This thing, we can't do it. This is retrenchment. God isn't letting up. Thank God we're double what we were when we built the educational building. The witness says what this morning, friend, when we're going forward to buy a new parking lot for places to park, we are saying we believe in the church. We believe in Jesus Christ. This is priority. We believe in hearing his word. We believe in coming into God's house and hearing preaching from the eternal word of God being Aaron verbally inspired. Here is comfort and strength. This is a hospital. This is the hope of the world. This is your testimony and mine. We're saying to outsiders, we're giving you a parking area. You're welcome to come. We don't care what the color of your skin is if you want to hear Jesus Christ. This is testimony, isn't it? Then we want to put an elevator in the church, in the educational building for those that need it. We haven't forgotten you, the elderly, the infirm, and those of you that need an elevator. I had a beautiful experience of San Antonio along this line. I was standing in the back of the convention hall, and the pastor came up to me and he introduced himself. He said, I'm Reverend so-and-so from so-and-so, and And he said, you're housing from Marion, Ohio, aren't you? And I said, yes. And he said, I-, I want to thank you. He said, I-, I copied something that you started over at Emmanuel in Marion, Ohio. And I could- the moment I couldn't think of what it was, it was something I started. He said, you started having the service, didn't you? The communion service for the sick and the shut-ins. And you brought them, and I said, yes. And he said, I want you to know that I had one in my church for the first time. And he stood there and he wept. He said, I've never had such a moving experience in my life. He said, we brought him, too, in the wheelchair and in the walker and in the cane, and we brought him by ambulance. And he said, I never realized in my life what it meant for some people to get back into God's church. He stood in and he cried he says, thank you. He said, I'll have one as long as I live in the ministry. What a wonderful thing. And I said, there's no copyright on that. You go ahead. Listen, friends, we haven't forgotten you. There will be an elevator because we know what it means when you can't get into God's house anymore just to make it possible. And then again, though we've redecorated, there's going to be carpeting on the floor that we can worship God in the beauty of holiness and in the holiness of beauty. Nothing pretentious, but again, God is worthy. Then we want to protect our windows. I don't know if I've ever told you. I had a man in here one day. He was a connoisseur of stained glass windows, and he walked up and down the aisle. And he looked at our windows, the Great Reformation window there, and here are the three windows of the Mediatorial Work of Christ, Prophet, High Priest, and King. And he said to me, Pastor, he said, do you have any idea uh, how beautiful these windows are and what they would cost? And I said, oh, I have some idea. He said, I love stained glass windows and I know something about them. He said, I've never seen their equal except in the Heinz Memorial in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You have something rare and beautiful, and we want to protect them with a protective glass. They are beautiful. They give you and me a spiritual lift, don't they? And again, we're saying to ourselves, we want to fix up the outside of our building. This is forward in faith. Jesus says, this is the price. Do my will, first, last, and always. And we can say to ourselves, is it worthwhile? Well, when I came home, I had a stack of mail. I've got to tell you one other story. And in looking through the mail last Monday morning, here was a letter, handwriting I didn't, No, from out of town opened it up from a college student mind you not from one of our colleges i don't know the young man but here was the letter he wrote me and he said i'm a college student i was home he said over sunday that would be two weeks ago when i preached last and he said i i was sick at heart and he said there were so many doubts in my mind i wondered what happened to my faith in christ i was filled with doubts he said i was despairing and he said oh I was so frustrated I didn't go to church but he said I tuned in on the radio on Sunday and he said you preached about the faith of a little child to become as little children and he said I got my answer that I needed the faith that I had as a little child he wrote me a beautiful letter mind you a college student yeah and he enclosed a check a gift for the radio fund I thank God for that. and I thought to myself they aren't all delinquent are they there are some college students who again still turn to Jesus Christ and it's again 33 years ago we're going on and I'm sure of this that as we join hands and we say this is God's will we're going to succeed he's never failed us in the past in 33 years, we're going on forward in faith. We're going to join hands. And because we're going forward in faith and we're also we're going up, too, we want them to know Jesus Christ. And let's go on the glory road and we can sing, sing this. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing. Climbing Jacob's ladder, soldiers of the cross. see we're going forward and upward too. Every rung goes higher, higher. Every rung goes higher, higher. Every rung goes higher, higher. Soldiers of the cross. Sinners, do you love my Jesus? Sinners, do you love my Jesus? Sinners, do you love my Jesus? Soldiers of the cross. If If you love him, why not serve him? If you love him, why not serve him? If you love him, why not serve him? Soldiers of the cross, rise, shine, give God glory, rise, shine, give God glory, rise, shine, give God glory. Soldiers of the cross, members of Emmanuel, forward in faith, I'm convinced this is the right time. Amen.